So tonight we'll be continuing in, in the series we've been talking about on the Ten Commandments. Have you been okay with the series? Okay, good. I, I, that's, that's good to hear. I didn't want to run anybody off. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. <laughs> so this week will be on the third week. And we talked about, I'm going to kind of recap, how God gave Moses ten words. It's called the Decalogue. It's not, we, we say commands, but in the original uh, scriptures, it's not even called commands. It's called ten words. In other words, God gave Moses ten words. And this is what the people were to build their life upon. And it shows us how to deal with God, how God deals with us, as well as our neighbor. And we talked about how these words came out of relationship. I want you to look at the picture we, we've been using. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the house of Egypt and the house of slavery. And then, so we see that God had already done that. He delivered them. And then he said, you shall have no other gods before me. Then he gives you the list of the ten words. So I want to say that once again and just kind of reiterate that the commands of God come from relationship, not do this and then I will let you out. He's saying, I let you out of slavery. Now this will benefit you in walking with me. Amen. So before we get into the, the verses, let's, let's pray. Lord, I just ask, ask right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would anoint me to speak, that you would anoint these here to receive your word, God. And I just pray that it would touch their hearts and Lord, that it would move them to action. And Father, we just love you. We thank you for our time in, in worship. And God, we just ask that you would be with us throughout the remainder of the service. In Jesus' name, we pray and ask, amen and amen. Also, we talked about in the first commandment how to love the Lord our God. Then in the second week, we talked about what it is when, when he talks about idolatry. What does it mean about graven images? And we went quite extensive through that. Once again, if you would like to, to follow along, you can see it on YouTube, uh, the, the church app, different ways if you want to keep up. Because, you know, if you come in, you, you may not see some of the groundwork that was laid in the first two uh, sermons. But tonight I want to read it from the Amplified because I think it captures the essence of the verse. Exodus 20, verse 7. You shall not use or repeat the name of the Lord your God in vain. That is, light, lightly or frivolously in false affirmations or profanely. The Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. This is the verse we'll be coming out of tonight. Now, there are many questions that come up during these types of discussions. And, you know, back in the Levitical days, when we bring up something that seems harsh, I'm bringing it up to show you that God's grace is here for us. How many of us has used the Lord's name in vain? Let me see your hands. Because all of us, in some kind of way, we'll see how that happens. The rest of you are absolutely lying. <laughs> I'm just joking. If y'all throw rocks, I can duck behind the city tonight. No, but seriously, we'll see what it actually is and why it's a big deal. And we'll see that there are, there are times when we just don't know any better. Amen. This is where I was camped out at for, for a, a, a long period of time in this situation. Uh, but we typically look at using the Lord's name in vain as attaching it to a curse word or something of that nature, right? Right. Just in case you didn't know. 
Uh, but back in the Levitical days, I want to read you some scripture because I just want to show you the magnitude. I'm, I'm trying to lay groundwork for where we're going. Now, it's more than just an OMG type thing because, you know, that's another way that people tend to, to think and camp out. And here's the issue. I'm not going to list out a, a, some boundaries and do this and don't do this. I'm just going to explain the verses to you and then we'll see what it looks like now that we have a new set of lenses, right? And probably you'll get in a little trouble tonight as we did last week. <laughs> so what exactly is this commandment saying? That's really the question. The word vain means empty. That's why I read it in this, in this verse, because it really gives you the connotation of what it's saying. So in other words, using his name in a wicked or worthless or for wrong purposes. Let me give a little background. In the, in the Hebrew, the sacred name of God is spelled with four Hebrew letters. And their letters are actually small words. In other words, it's Yod, Hey, Y-O-D, comma, H-E-I, Vav, V-A-V, and H-E-I. Yod, Hav, Yod, Hey, Vav, Hey. In, in English, we say it's Y-H-V-H, is how you see it. It's how you would see it written if you were reading Jewish literature. This four-letter word is, is, they call the tetragrammaton, which basically what that is, is just called the four letters. And the thing about this is throughout history, the Jewish people do not even know how to say this name. It's been lost in the centuries. YHVH is found 6,823 times in the Hebrew Bible. So what we need to understand is this is where we get the word Jehovah, right? The Jewish people use a Y. We say a J because there's no J in the Hebrew Bible. There's no J in the Hebrew letters. So we say Jehovah. They say Jehovah. We say Jehovah or Yahweh. Now, the Jewish people never write the sacred name. Instead, they replace it with Adonai. You've heard of that word, which means the Lord. Okay. Another name the Jewish people use is Hashem, which is H-A-Shem, which means the name. So I'm trying to show you the extent that they go through to keep his name reverent. Rabbinical tradition says that the high priest would pronounce Y-H-V-H, would pronounce that name in the Aaronic blessings and numbers. If you remember, if you ever seen that, it's kind of like the Star Trek symbol that they, they use. It's not... <laughs> The Bible was here before Star Trek, just so we know. <laughs> you, I'm, yeah, I'm sure you know that. But what it is is when when this is done, it is so holy in 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 the Jewish culture and in the scriptures that even when they would step outside of the temple, they wouldn't even say that word. They would say Adonai. So on Yom Kippur, once a year, the name was said, they actually would say the name in front of the people and all the Jewish people would hit the floor and worship and bless the Lord. Today, the Jewish people write G-D. They will not even put God, meaning with the, the, the letter, I was going to say the letter zero, but there is no letter zero. <laughs> Man, these haymakers are just coming left and right. 
But the reason they would not do that is because if that paper got lost or thrown away, it would literally, in their mind, defile the name of God. The reason I'm telling you this is look at how they view the very name of God. And when I get into the, I'm going to read you the verse Leviticus 24, using his name emptily, that's not a word, empty, looking at my thesaurus over here, Nathan. Look at, look at Leviticus 24, 10 through 16. One day a man who had an Israelite mother, an Egyptian father, came out of his tent and got into a fight with one of the Israelite men. That could easily implement a new Iberia joke, but I'm not. <laughs> now, <laughs> during this fight, the son of the Israelite woman blasphemed the name of the Lord with a curse. So the man was brought to Moses for judgment. His mother was a Shilomith, was Shilomith, and the daughter was Debri of the tribe of Dan. They kept the man in custody until the Lord's will in the matter should become clear to them. Then the Lord said to Moses, take the blasphemer outside the camp and tell all those who heard the curse to lay their hands on his head. Then let the entire community stone him to death. Say to the people of Israel, those who curse their God will be punished for their sin. Anyone who blasphemes the name of the Lord must be stoned to death by the whole community in Israel. This could totally be a new Iberia story, by the way. <laughs> Any native-born Israelite or foreigner among you who blasphemes the name of the Lord must be put to death. Now, that's obviously very, like, weighty, and it's Wednesday night, so, and we're family, right? <laughs> but listen, the Old Testament gives us this picture because obviously cursing God's name was a huge violation. And Jesus himself in the Lord's Prayer would say, hallowed be your name. And I'm going to kind of go into just discussing what these empty ways of using God's name is so we can see it and then do something about it, amen, in our own life. <laughs> yeah. This is no, in no way somebody that has it all together. It's not, none of these things. Like I said, we're, I'm just going to present some things. It was very convicting. I would just say that. And, you know, you apply whatever you feel the Lord is showing you in this. Amen. Leviticus 19.12, you shall not swear by my name falsely and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Also, people must not attach God to a false vision or a word. Jeremiah 23, 25, and 26 I have heard these prophets say, listen to the dream I had from God last night. And then they proceed to tell lies in my name. How long will this go on? If they are prophets, they are prophets of deceit, inventing everything they say. Now, these are examples. And the point is, we should keep God's name holy when we speak or operate in his name. Amen. Now, we often talk about the word holy and how it's set apart. In other words, you probably had a grandmother or an aunt. We've talked about that from this platform before. Like the room was set apart. You couldn't go in Maman's room because it was set apart. It was holy, right? You couldn't go into the living room. The, you know, you had to, it was nice furniture. It, I mean, it was just, you had to stay out of that room. But as I was thinking about this, 
My mom has a china cabinet, and she has fancy plates I've never eaten on, ever. <laughs> but it's, it's fine china. And so I started to think, this is set apart. In other words, you wouldn't grab a plate from that china cabinet and heat a Pop-Tart on it and go give it to your three-year-old or four-year-old or, I don't whenever they can start handling plates. Or you wouldn't take the plate outside into a barbecue, and you know, because you have the, the tongs and all this thing. You wouldn't be wanting to scratch it up. Now, that is obviously set apart because why would we not use that? Out of, out of reverence? But this is the issue. We have so much worth on the china that we've bought that we only want to use it in the proper setting and the context, right? It's just plates. Now, I guess we've just never had nothing fancy enough to eat off those plates, but one day, Mom, will have to eat off of those plates. So, so think about that. That's something, obviously, that is replaceable. It's the proper context. That's the point of it. Angels are, are around the throne day and night saying, holy, 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 right? This is the only attribute that is constantly repeated around the throne of God for all of eternity. And the key to understanding who God is, is to understand this key attribute that is echoed day and night. God is in heaven. He is separated. We talked about this in the first uh, first message, how when you read in the book of Revelation, everything is come, the, the, the river is coming from beneath the throne. The people are around the throne. There's thunder and lightning coming from the throne. John sees everything through, through the lens of the throne. In other words, that is what captured his mind and his eyes when he saw everything. And then when you read in Isaiah, the sixth chapter, you get the same scene that Isaiah saw. So he is separated, which means he is separate. It was this holiness that he acted out of love to send Jesus to the cross. Keep in mind, they're not saying love, 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 friend, friend, friend. They're not saying, they're not, they're saying holy. And out of God's holiness, he said, I love these people, so I gotta keep it holy. In other words, I cannot just wink at what people are doing. I cannot just wink at the issue that is going on in our lives. So out of my holiness and my desire to be with them, I'm going to send Jesus, which shows the love that he came. So you see, holiness, love came out of that, right? So you see what I'm saying? That's the point that I'm trying to get you to see. And it's said three times, which means emphatic. It's almost as if the Jewish people are grabbing your face and saying, listen to me. He is holy. That is the reason it is said three times. But this is all the more reason to be grateful to Christ. You see, like I asked earlier, if you've ever used the Lord's name in vain, we would all be dead already. But because of Christ, we have grace. I think about the name Larry. That's my dad's name. You know who doesn't come to my mind when I think about Larry? The gigolo from Three's Company. I don't think about Larry in that. I don't think about the second member of the Three Stooges. I don't think about Larry, the cable guy. I think about my dad because of love and great memories. And they cannot be separated from me. 
names invoke substance, good or bad. No one is running to name their kid Judas Iscariot Boudreau because it is forever tainted as a betrayer. Nobody's saying, this is my daughter, Jezebel Sonier, because it is tainted with a bad connotation. Now, my name typically brings a miss before it, which I don't understand because my name is so masculine. It's dripping with masculinity. Now, if I put an I and E on the back of it, it would be, yeah. So let's get to the life application. (laughs) Get out of these weeds. Now, how do we apply it? Number one, don't use God's name pointlessly or profanely. Using God's name, obviously, as a filth word is the biggest way, as would be obvious. But here's some ways that is can be used as empty amongst believers. Using God's name as a filler in prayer. Now, <laughs> I know you're like, what does that mean? Lord, God, Father, Holy One of Israel, Almighty, please do this. Now, listen. Father, Lord, God, Holy Spirit, Abba, Jesus. When we go through a list of names to fill it in because we don't know what to say. And it's normally done in like a group setting or something. And listen, if you are giving God these attributes as holy and you're going through them, it's okay. But I'm just saying sometimes if it's just a filler or say if we're trying to get through our prayer time, say we say, I want to pray for an hour, and we spend all of our time racking our brain, and we're just using God's name to fill it. That's what it talks about when it, one of the aspects of vain repetition. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 7, and when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. Now, when you look at this, the Gentiles would repeat the name of the God that they were praying to, and they would heap attributes upon that specific God because they were trying to get something from him. In other words, they were trying to manipulate him. In other words, their motive was wrong in the way that they were praying. Now, keep in mind, this is more of a heart issue, obviously. I don't think that we would do this purposely. But I'm just trying to set the table of how holy God's name is. How, how reverently we should use God's name. Matthew 6, 7. When you pray, do not heap up phrases. In other words, multiply words, repeating the same ones over and over as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard by their much speaking. Listen. Prayer is not about verbally saying a lot of things. It's about sincerely meaning what you say. Taking the time to connect with the heart will always surpass how you phrase it. Will always surpass what you title. Amen? Here's another one. Praying over the food to get it out of the way. I know none of us do that. (laughs) But let me just hear me out. Not I'll just duck if I see some rocks, but listen. When we pray over the food, it is not to make to get over the hurdle to eat the food. It's not saying a short prayer, verbally, repetitiously getting out of the way for custom's sake. Here's a couple of questions that we can ask ourselves. When the food comes, does the obligation to pray spring up or thankfulness? 
How do you feel during the hot potato moment of when we try to decide who says it? Does this cross your mind? I need to do this so no one thinks I'm not thankful or spiritual. Does that come up to your mind or does genuine thankfulness come? And I want to encourage you. You know, I, I looked at this. I was like, man, if I'm in a hurry and I, and I can't stop to tell God, thank you for this food, I'm not going to go against or diminish the, co- the, the commandment. I'm just going to eat. <laughs> but however, there should never be a time where we really cannot just stop and say, God, I thank you for this food. I thank you that you've given me the ability to eat. Whatever, whatever, however you want to verbalize it to the Lord, the point is the heart of the matter, right? That's what I'm trying to get you to see. I'm not trying to split hairs, but obviously we have to figure out what does it mean to use the Lord's name in an empty way. And that's in today's verbiage. Listen, it's more about the inventory of the heart, right? If carelessness comes easy or thoughtlessness comes easy, pump the brakes and keep your mind focused on the Lord. When you begin to think about the Lord, and I'm not saying you, 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 you can't be hungry. Listen, sometimes I'll pray for the food when I get to the, the, to the place. I'm like, Lord, thank you for this food. Thank you for this establishment. Lord, I ask that you would help this food be good. Now, I don't, I'm not really a fan of praying over crawfish. Obviously, I can't ask for God to give me nutrients. <laughs> you can do that if you'd like. I'm sure maybe he can do a miracle, but high weeds again. Striving to keep a high view of God, as we spoke about in the first sermon, will help us with that. We, When we really think about the food that we eat, we really could be thankful. You know, we really, we really could be. Number two, don't put God's name in something that is false. Now, obviously, the biggest way we see this is, a, is multiple, multiple levers, levels. You could see it, you know, church, church members, not any of you. You have to say that. But you see it sometimes on TV. I remember I used to, you know, I'd stay up late when I first got saved. And then I would keep it on TV. And, you know, you fall asleep on, like, Channel 10. You know, it's on TV. And you, I, I'd wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning. And I see this guy selling oil. One time, no no kidding, I'm not, I'm not, I don't even know this guy. I haven't seen him. But it's like the camera opened the door and he had oil all over him. And he was doing all this. And it was like, <gasps> it's like he was caught in shock. And he was trying to make it look like it's so holy. If you buy this, that is really being trying to snake all salesmen. Let's just say that. Pimping the gospel. How about that? And so the point is, we see that from time to time. And, you know, what we never want to do is attach God to something to further our own credibility as well. Amen? Be careful with the God told me card. Using God's name to manipulate someone to go along with a plan, idea, or or opinion is using his name in vain. I mean, if you come to me and say, God told me this, this, and that, I'm not even arguing with you. Who are you to ask me what I think if God told you something? Amen? I'm not going to, oh, no, that's not God. Now, however, if you're trying to weigh through a situation and you may say, I feel like this could be the Lord, we can discuss, you know. But the thing is, there's so much of that that you really have to be careful because I know people that have gone in the ditch spiritually because of the God told me call. Also, lying under oath or perjury is using the Lord's name in vain because you're trying to take God's credibility and attach it to a lie, and it will not go well. 
Swearing to God is using his name in vain. Now think about this. Let's just develop our character where our yes is yes and no is no. Matthew 5, 37, let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. We should have our own credibility. One of the greatest things that you could be known for is being a person of your word. Also, trying to call God down on our proverbial carpet or charge him with wrongdoing if something didn't go right is using his name in vain because we're coming to him and charging a perfect God with something that we don't understand. Some things in life are a mystery. And we should not go to hell over a mystery. I've heard, you know, I was listening to a sermon one day and the guy said, man, there's things that we just don't understand. And I'm not going to go to hell over something I don't understand. I'm not going to turn my back on God and walk away because I don't understand where this is going. So don't get so angry where we throw in the towel on God. Also, if you attach God's name to something that you know to be wrong. Here's an example. If, if I'm doing pre-marriage counseling and both of you are about to kill each other, I'm not like, hey, man, let me attach God's name and marry you. Right? That's using the Lord's name in vain. It's in other words, it's saying, I see that this thing is not good, but I'm going to attach my, my Lord's name when I see that this thing is a train wreck. Let's spend the time and counsel through this until we can come to a, a negotiation. <laughs> right? I'm just, I'm just saying, I know you may not perform a wedding ceremony, but that's, a, that's using the Lord's name in vain. Here's another one. Attaching God's name to something we want to go do when we think it may be a sin or may not. Right? I used to tell my kid this, you know, Dylan. I would be, if he, we would be talking about something and he'd be like, well, the Bible, it's like, hey, man, look, just go ahead and go sin without the Bible. <laughs> Let's just keep, you know, you know where I got that from? My dad would tell me the same thing when I'd be like, well, dad, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, look, man, you know how many people become lawyers from the book of Leviticus? And I'm just leave it at that. <laughs> you just start splitting hairs and say, well, the Bible says this. And in the Greek, it says this. And in the Hebrew, just listen. If you're going to do what you do, just leave the Bible out of it. Amen? All right. The, the lost and saved should say amen to that. <laughs> Hopefully there's no lost here. But <laughs> Number three, claiming the gospel but not living it is using the Lord's name in vain. Colossians 3.17, whatever you do or say, do it as a representative for the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Not living what we believe is using the Lord's name in vain. Why do I say this? In 1 Timothy 6, chapter 1, verse, I mean, verse 1 and 2, listen what it says. All who are under the yoke as slaves are to regard their own masters as worthy of all honor so that the name of God and our doctrine will not be spoken against. Those who have believers as their masters must be not be disrespectful to them because they are brethren, but must serve them all the more because those who partake of the benefit are believers and beloved. Teach and preach these principles. 
how we live, how we talk, how we act, how we treat people back the name that we represent. That's how they see it. Or you're supposed to be a Christian, but blah, blah, blah. They, they attach God's name to, to what we do. And this is an example of how we talked about in the Old Testament, the, the commands are there and you could see it reflected in the New Testament. We are ambassadors for Christ. We speak from the authority of his name in his kingdom. And we have no authority whatsoever to change it. We don't. We don't have the authority to change it. And we need to understand that everything that God does is perfect, is holy, and just. And we just got to wrap our brains around or get on the path of where we see it as the way God sees it. God is bent to the right. And I don't mean in, you know, the political sense of right and left. What is right? That's where God is. Now, do we question God? Obviously, people say, well, the, you know, you're not supposed to question God. Listen, the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible doesn't say we do not question God. And here's why, why I want to tell you this. There's things that happen in our lives, realistically, where we don't understand why this happened. We don't know where God's involved in it. But if you're in a relationship with someone and you cannot ask questions, run. If you are in a marriage, and I'm not saying run, <laughs> if you just say that, but if you're in a marriage and you cannot ask questions, you are being abused. How much more with God, who is perfect, who initiated a relationship, is saying, you, I, you can question what's going on. There's nothing wrong with that. And I want to tell you, when we look in the with Gideon, think about this question. This angel greets Gideon, calling him a mighty warrior in Judges 6.12. But look at what the verse says. The, the Gideon begins to ask a barrage of questions. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has this happened to us? And where are all the miracles of our ancestors, uh, ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites and I'm sending you. Gideon questioned God's goodness. He questioned his power and he questioned his promises. Right? On a personal note, serve with the strength you have. I'm going to give you, I know, a, I know a guy who was dying spiritually, was depressed beyond belief. He would have to put a smile on his face just to deal with people, with work. And he had a friend that was physically ill and could not cut his grass. So he went to this person and, and just cut his grass. And listen, it wasn't because, oh, the Lord's this or the Lord's going to do that. It was because it needed to get done. He was depressed. His own yard was horrific. It was grown up. His flower beds were a mess. His wife was looking at him like he was crazy. And he went and did that just because it needed to be done. You know what the Lord did? He blessed that because the motive was right. And it gave him strength and energy and joy. And he got in his yard and began to take care of his own yard. And it gave him the umph that he needed. 
to go forward. You'd be surprised when we step outside of our stuff and we just go do what needs to be done, how the Lord blesses. And I'm not talking about motive. I'm not saying, oh, Lord, if you if you bless me by cutting this grass, my grass is just going to start to shrink, <laughs> just go go down, <laughs> or or the a wind's going to come and de-weed it, if that's a word. No, it just, it gives you the strength and energy that you need when you put other people first. Plug, serve day's coming up. I don't know where you're at, but give the Lord a chance to show you what he can do when you step outside of what it is that you're going through and just grab the plow and move forward with the team God has placed around you. Amen? Questioning is processing. That's what it is. It's processing. It's engaging in relationship, right? That's what it is. That's what it's, it, 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 it's, it's saying, God, I know that you're all knowing, you're all powerful. I put all of my faith and trust in you, but I don't understand what's going. So let's talk through this. In the New Testament, Jesus questioned, why have you forsaken me? And listen, if that was a sin, he would still be in the grave today. Because he would need a savior and we'd all be on our way to hell. You see how that just kind of unfolds? But here's the thing. A heartfelt question is not a sin, but a bitter, untrusting, rebellious heart. That's where it's a sin. God's not mad at questions, but it needs to come from a humble place and an open mind. In other words, be ready to receive what God wants to do in this situation. And God knows our hearts right? And that's a good thing and a bad thing. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) But here's where the plumb line is. He is justice. He is mercy. He is love. He is always perfect in all of his ways. He is full of compassion and care every single time in your life. That is the plumb line which we enter into the questions. We have to have some answers already. God, I know that I don't understand this, but I know this, 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 and this about you. I'm not changing my thought process because of what I see. I'm adapting my mindset towards who you are and what you want to do. Right? Some rogue attack has not happened to you that our all-knowing, all-seeing God has been caught off guard. That has not happened. God sees everything, and he is with you in every single circumstance. That I can promise you. Amen? His name is worthy to be held up in highest regard in every situation, and we must strive to know him more. God is not scared to reveal himself to us, right? When you're thirsty, that desert, when, when, you're, when you're in the desert, you are thirsty. This book is the ocean, right? When you are starved, God's word is the bread that will bring you to the table. Amen? Can we stand? I'm going to give you the fourth and the best one out of these, I think. His name is best fulfilled in the person of Jesus. Matthew 1, 21 through 23. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. 
for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. The greatest name God is known by is God is with us. That's what Emmanuel means. Jesus is the name that we can hold on to, which means his person and the work that he that he's accomplished because he's identified with us, right? He sees the troubles. He sees the storms. But this is what we need to know. All good things come from heaven, from God's hands, through Jesus to us and our families. That is why we have not been stoned to death. Amen. You probably would get in trouble if you start trying to stone somebody in Lafayette. Now, maybe not New Iberia, but hey, I can say that because I love that place. But... Listen, I remember we talked about this is a study of lawful grace. In Christ, you keep this commandment because Christ kept this commandment. There is no other name given amongst men where we can be saved in the name of Jesus. Like we always sing that song, isn't the name of Jesus wonderful? You know why? Because that is all that we need. That's all we need. No matter what it is that we're going through, we can anchor whatever it is in the name of Jesus. When you say the name of Jesus, it will begin to pick you up out of the dust of the situation that you and I are in. So here's the question. What if we've used the Lord's name in vain? Here's, an, here's something you could do. Repent to the God who loves you and welcomes repentance every single time. Listen, we've all done this. This seems innocent, but I'm just trying to get our mindset to keep an, a high view of God, right? That's the whole point of these messages, that we come to God and we say, God, I'm seeing you higher than I've ever seen you. Examine our hearts before the Lord Jesus. The question is, is God with you in the, in the person of Jesus? Here's something else we could do. Watch our mouth, <laughs> right? Watch our attitudes. Watch our actions. When we sit at the table and we, we, the food comes, Lord, I thank you for this food in Jesus' name. We could rush to say the blessing of the food. Amen. Listen, grace is the ability to come back every time we make mistakes. Grace is the ability to see our habits that we pick up along the way and make a change and move in the opposite direction. Here's something else from the message. We need to, we can work on our own credibility. We can work on saying yes and no. These are life application principles that we can apply every single day of our life. We can strive to keep a reverent view of God's name. Amen. Remember this. He loves you. He died for you. He wants to forgive you. And listen, there is always hope in every situation that jumps on your plate. Amen. Let me just pray over you real quick. Father, we just thank you right now for this word. God, I'm asking right now that if anyone is here and does not know you as Lord, God, I'm asking that you would reveal yourself to them in such a way that they would see you as you truly are. 
God, I ask that you would save their souls, God, that you would remove the the burden of sin, the weight of sin from them, God, and that they would see you as their Lord, as their Savior, as as their, their Father. God, I'm asking that you would reveal yourself, God, that you would show them great and mighty things that they do not even presently know now. God, I'm asking that if we've broken this commandment, God, that we we come before you asking you for forgiveness, asking you for grace. And God, we thank you that you are the name that we need, that Jesus Christ is the name that we need, that we are healed by, we are saved by. God, I'm asking in the name of Jesus that you would pour out your grace and your spirit upon each person.